Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, a church that desires to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in the Harrisburg region. Sermon B-Sides is designed to be a resource to help us deepen the conversation about this week's sermon and answer questions that would be helpful to accomplish our purpose. Well, here we are again. Uh, welcome to the B-Sides podcast. My name is John Robinson. I'm one of the pastors at Liberty Church here in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And my name is Matt Leloyan. I'm the other of the two pastors uh, at Liberty Church. Good to have you with us this week. And um, we're really grateful to see and hear uh, stories about how this podcast has been helpful. Yeah. Um, several of you have, have uh, intentionally reached out and said how much you've appreciated uh, the conversation that we continue in this podcast and how that sets you up for for your Bible study. Um, so we really hope this is a great complement to the Bible study guides that you're working your yeah. way through, as well as, of course, a complement to, um, to the sermons themselves. Even yeah. when they are um, difficult and <laughs> uh, catastrophic texts uh, like, like Judges chapter 9. Yeah. I mean, but before we get into that, Matt, the most important thing that happened this weekend, the Rays are going to the World Series. They are. You uh, I, you came in yesterday morning, and I had not seen the uh, the score on Saturday night. I actually came in, so they won. We were talking for a little bit. I was like, oh, yeah, Game 7 was last night, and you were in way too good of a mood for yeah, them to have yeah, lost. Yeah, if, if they would have lost, I, I would probably be sunk deep into a depression and uh, would have been in the back. You would have pulled uh, You would have pulled an Abimelech on Tropicana Field and cut yes. some brushwood down. Cut and, some brushwood down and just yeah. burn it down. Just, I know. mean, most of the people hate it anyway, so... <laughs> Uh, is it still called Tropicana Field? It is tr- okay. Tropicana Field. Nice. The Trop. Perfect. Yeah. It's uh I mean it's air conditioned and domed, so that's that's the ideal Florida baseball condition. Florida is soft, man. Soft. <laughs> so you, they've soft. gone soft. How do you how do you get to a World Series with such a soft team? Air conditioned and domed stadium in Florida. Uh yeah. No, you're welcome. <laughs> We're there. We're playing the Dodgers apparently. Yeah. So yeah, nice. that's uh anyway, that's that was my weekend. Well done. Well played. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, Judges chapter 9 was, uh, yeah, it was a, a difficult text, uh, certainly. Um, I think the, the most helpful thing in studying the text is, is coming to that realization of, oh, this is actually a, a foretaste of hell, mm. which is a blunt way to put it, but yeah. it, it puts it, and there's other passages like it in Judges that we, we will get to. When mm-hmm. it gets to the end of the book and, and we see the real depths of the spiral and how bad things get, it's similar to how things are under Abimelech's leadership, if you can if you can call it that. Um, so it, um, yeah, hard text, but but a needed and important word about the curse of sin and its effects mm. in um, in our day as well. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it's not ideal, man. Like these are these are when we when we see kind of like the outworking of like sin and it running rampant and there's really no and I think you when you said this yesterday like there's there's no covenant mention uh um you know name there's no mention of the covenant name of God yeah in chapter 9 um so in a way like God is is devoid of all of the people's perspective um Abimelech it doesn't even come into view for him of like faithfulness to God yeah after after being you know the son of of Gideon yeah. Um, seeing what God had done, man, like that that transition from one generation to the next, and um, 
apparently a lack of of any kind of communication to or transfer uh, of information to his son about the faithfulness of God in his own life. Yeah. Um, and we see we see Abimelech just just run rampant, um, taking on all the sins of his father, yeah. amplifying them to another degree. Um, yeah, and it's uh, it's sad, and, and it makes you kind of wonder, like, how much of that is true from from person to person, generation to generation, even now. Yeah, yeah. There was a there was one commentator, a guy named Barry Webb, who we've quoted a couple times in this series, in particular. He he actually called Abimelech the son from hell, and he went mm-hmm. on kind of a little tangent in some of his writing about um, that there are even even when there are faithful parents, there are there are there are children who just completely upend. Um, everything that their parents have, have mm-hmm. stood for. And he, yeah. he mentioned specifically Manasseh, the, the evil king of mm-hmm. Judah, uh, who committed child sacrifice, things like that, uh, even though his father Hezekiah was largely a, a faithful man. I mean, yeah. Flawed, certainly, but faithful. And um, so there, there's a whole thread you can maybe follow there. Now, of course, as you mentioned, Abimelech didn't, didn't have a, a, a great example to follow in the right. way that, that Gideon spent the, the rest of his life yeah. living like a king, even though he said he was not going to be. Mm-hmm. And, um, and actually, this, this relates to one of the questions that we got. Uh, thank you for sending these in. We got a question about yeah. why the text between Judges 6 and Judges 9 goes back and forth between using Gideon mm-hmm. as his name and then Jeroboam mm-hmm. uh, as, his, as his name. Yeah. And if there was significance to that or if it's just kind of, you know, uh, coincidence in certain moments. Yeah. Well, it's his stage name, man. It's his stage it's name. His stage name. <laughs> it's his stage name. That was nice. the, that's the, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's which, the quick wait, answer. Which one? Which one's the stage name? Uh, Jeroboam. Jeroboam. Was, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, I came later yeah. after the fact. He was Gideon growing up. Yeah. But, you know, had nice. to... He's just so well known. Yeah, you know he had to right. he had to have a stage name. It's different Twitter account. Yeah, this whole uh, yeah it was it was intense. That was uh, it's kind of like in Full House, John Stamos's character, Uncle Jesse. Yeah, the first season, his last name is like Jesse, and I don't even remember what it is. And then like all of a sudden in this in the next season they switch it because they want to really play up like his Greek. Yeah. His Greek heritage, and then all of a sudden he's Jesse Kinsopoulos. Yeah. And it's all Greek all the time. All Greek all the time. Yeah. Uh, his his shirts go from being buttoned up to the top to a uh, level three V-neck. Which, I mean, he, yeah. he really was, he really just was ahead of his time as a worship leader. That's true. In our he day. Was. Yeah. The V-neck. Play, played, played a guitar all the time. Yeah. Wooed women. Yeah. He's a worship leader. <laughs> he's a worship leader. Yeah. Looking at you, Jordan Poor. A... Looking at you, Jordan Poor. <laughs> um, but great question. So we actually see in Judges chapter 6, it's, it's um, Gideon's father who gives mm-hmm. him that name, Jeroboam, mm-hmm. and it's after he tears down the altar in, in the city of Ophrah made to, mm-hmm. to Baal. Ophrah, not Oprah. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Important distinction. Yeah. And in, uh, in that moment, you know, in, in the name Jeroboam means let Baal contend with him. And it's, it's seemingly initially pretty complicated because it's like, is this a, a, a pro-Baal name? And so, mm-hmm. like, his father was, at least up to that point, the, the religious the leader yeah. for the, the cult of Baal in, in mm-hmm. Ophrah. And so, um, you know, is this a pro-Baal name or is this, like, you no know, an anti-Baal name? Now he's changing mm-hmm. and, and let yeah. Baal contend with him. The interesting thing to see in, uh, in the text as it keeps playing out, so... Um, He's largely referred to as Gideon in Judges 6. Mm-hmm. In 7 and then in 8, he's referred to as both. In mm-hmm. 8 in particular, he starts to be referred to as Jeroboam, who is also Gideon. Mm-hmm. And then when we get to Judges chapter 9, it's all Jeroboam. There's no more Gideon anymore. Yeah. So when it when it plays out like that in the text, 
it seems like it, it, it was a pro-Baal name. Mm-hmm. And so that when he was actually living more faithfully, Gideon was, was the Gideon. name. That, yeah. that, and actually, that's even in Hebrews 11, mm. how he's remembered in the Hall of Faith is, is as Gideon, not as Jeroboam. Yeah. Baal. Yeah. And in, um, in, um, uh, in Judges chapter 9 in particular, he's being remembered by the name Jeroboam when things get to their worst. Yeah. Because he actually has been the one that, that kicked off this next chapter of the downward spiral mm. and led ultimately his own family and the people to worship Baal yeah. again. So that's, um, it's a little murky in seven and eight, yeah. but when it gets to nine and there's no it's more mention of Gideon priority. or Jeroboam, yeah. it seems like, oh, that, that was a pro-Baal name. And, and then yeah. here's the crazy part. Baal did contend with him and, and in Baal a way, Baal won. Baal won. Yeah. Um, so that's, hopefully that's, yeah. that's helpful um, for you as you get into that, but it does seem like there is some significance to, to that. Yeah, no, that's, uh, man, like that's so much in a name, right? There's so much, so, so much in a name. Um, yeah. And so I think there's, you know, with, with that, like Gideon's, Gideon's legacy shifts. It shifts, and then we see kind of some of the fruit of, of that, even in the naming of his son. Yeah. Um, now, now, Abimelech was the was the son of one of of, of Gideon's concubines. And that was yes. another question that we had yep. uh, come in. Um, you know, long time long time listener, first time emailer says this <laughs> as, as we were reviewing chapter eight and talking a little bit about Abimelech. The question arose about concubines: How are they different than wives? Where they are they were they mostly slaves and servants and um, uh, Let's see. Uh, were there reasons they couldn't be wives? Was it racial, economic, etc.? And so, yeah, great, great question. question. Thanks for sending that in. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Matt, what are you, your your initial thoughts on on concubines? Um, obviously, yeah. you have several. <laughs> yeah. So no, uh, no, that would <laughs> no. that would be bad. No. Um, it tends to not go well for people when they have concubines. Most yeah. of the examples in scripture are incredibly negative right. of that. Yeah, things, the, um, things tend to tend to not go well when they yeah. have uh, a child by a concubine. They have multiple concubines. This is not a this is not a uh, prescriptive. That's right. Uh, no. Thing. No. Um, yeah. Nor is nor is polygamy, and we see that in the Old Testament. But maybe that's a, a topic for another day. But um, concubines would certainly be different from wives. They would mm-hmm. not be afforded the same kind of status. Right. Uh, they would not be revered in society. They really were servants and and at least in some cases more like slaves right that really existed for a couple purposes one mm-hmm. status mm-hmm. uh having concubines was a sign of status and particularly mm-hmm. for people who were were kings and leaders over people mm-hmm. um i think in particular of even king david one of the the, the most faithful of all of, of the kings of the people of god um and when his son absalom usurped his throne kicked him out of jerusalem took over there's this instance when that plays out where David had 10 concubines and Absalom, when he took over, uh, made a big public spectacle of him actually pitching a a tent on the roof of the palace Mm -hmm. and going into and and sleeping with uh, his father's, David's 10 concubines. And it was a, it was a, it was totally a, um, a public display of a, of a power change. Now I'm in charge. I'm the king. Now David's out. Uh, He's old. He's even impotent. Maybe as Mm -hmm. a statement of that, I'm now in charge. So a statement of of uh, of um, power, status, uh, but also um, <clears throat> procreation. Yeah. And for for certain leaders, you think even of um, of King Solomon, mm-hmm. um, who had 
and I always get these confused. Was it 700 wives and 300 concubines or the other way around? I believe it was the other way around. 700 okay. concubines. And 300 wives. Yes. Okay, I always get those back and forth. So, yeah, who had a ton of them. It's and a thousand. There's a thousand. Yeah. yeah. It was a lot. He was, yeah, he was not a one-woman man. He was a thousand-woman man. Yeah. And he, um, of course, that went terribly for him as well. But it was a, it was a picture of, of status. He had arrived at this place of mm-hmm. wealth. Uh, it also was a way to, to carry on his family name in a in an exponential right uh, an yeah. exponential way. Yeah, the the amount of um, and, and kind of like thinking back to obviously we're we're in a more agrarian society. The the more children you have is both from a status standpoint, but also from a a pragmatic standpoint of. Uh, needing people to to work the fields, hire, uh, create more business and and um, and more wealth, and so like yeah. the more the more children you have, the really the better the better off you were. Um, now you still have to feed all of those mouths. You do, you know, which is which is why it's only it's only it's especially who have multiple concubines. It's only yeah. incredibly wealthy people right. that we see in scripture. Yeah, but you did a little digging too, John, and you saw you know um, well maybe just tell us a little about what you saw like. You know, uh, children born to concubines. Yeah, uh, good thing, I mean, bad thing, bad thing, <laughs> bad thing. Yeah, the the sexual ethic of the Bible um, really doesn't doesn't permit us to kind of go, hey, this is this is a really good idea. This is something that's been helpful. Like, there's um, we have we have here we have Abimelech who is the son of a concubine through Gideon. That doesn't go well for Gideon. It, it it goes poorly, and it also goes poorly for his other seventy sons. Yeah, right. So he Gosh. kills he kills yeah. all of his brothers. Yeah. Um. So that's that's not a good example. We have um, uh, Ishmael who was born to Hagar, which was you know a concubine, um, or actually was a servant of Sarah's. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, and maybe a lot maybe of times became maybe became his wife potentially. But, but still after, not really bad. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been after the fact, yeah. um, the the birth of Ishmael. So, like, we see consistently throughout Scripture that like children who were born outside of, with with very few exceptions, with very few exceptions, um, born outside of the intended design, the intended uh, sexual ethic that God prescribes for uh, humanity, it just it it very rarely goes well for them. Um, and mm-hmm. so we have we have a lot of um, Although things are uh, permitted in Scripture, we have a lot of like underlying uh, truths about like what is truly good for us mm. as as created being as God has set up. You yeah. know, you know, marriage should be between a husband and, and a wife, one yeah. husband, one wife for life. Yeah. Um, and so, outside of that, we see things kind of going poorly throughout throughout the Old Testament specifically, uh, which is a further. Further, kind of um, encouragement on why we see this kind of sexual ethic develop itself and to be more descriptive in mm-hmm. the New Testament about what what marriage is supposed to be like, uh, what sex is supposed to be inside of the marriage covenant. So, yeah, that's good. Yeah, really good question. Um, well, part of that question had to do with uh, economic or racial status, uh, which I think could have been a factor in in some of those mm-hmm. cases. Um, Certainly, there were there is examples of concubines that are from outside of 
the people of Israel, like so Solomon as king. Right. Well, he he took well, wives. His wives. From, it was the from wi- other nations. Yeah, too. wives would have been more yeah. of the um, the political move. Mm. Right. So alliances. So alliances. Yep. Those would be more so alliances. It was for the for the flourishing, if you will, of that region. Hey, I'm going to give you our you know the princess here. Uh, yeah. As your wife, so that we would have peace, the trade routes would be opened up. Yeah, uh, you know, this is obviously uh, Israel at the time of Solomon was uh, was a superpower, hmm. um, and so like you wouldn't want to mess with Israel. And so like if there was a there was a um, was an agreement, a treaty through marriage, yeah, then that would have been kind of a very obvious way for um, for that alliance to maintain itself. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's good. I'm, I'm sure there's been more research done than I have encountered uh, or learned um, about maybe why someone would be a concubine versus a wife. Uh, but I, don't, I think at least generally then racial wouldn't be the, the only dividing line because there were cases right. of, of wives that were from other nations. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, maybe for Solomon, it was like that was like his farm system. And then, you, you know, you were a concubine and then you got you got moved up to to the major leagues yeah. and you became now in his case, it's like. You know, if you've got 300 wives and 700, I mean, you you know, that's just a lot of people yeah. in general. But yeah. it would be, it would, I don't know, I, I have to imagine that it's just a miserable place to be for a woman who's a concubine mm-hmm. when there are multiple wives. Or even mm-hmm. for like, for Gideon, for example, if there was just this one concubine, but he had many wives, mm-hmm. like, you know, what is that like to be the one person? Sure. You can kind of, you can kind of, if that's the case, if there is just the one, we don't know for sure, you can get this sense of like, why Abimelech and that whole part of his family and his mother would have developed some kind of complex against oh, sure. the rest of Gideon's yeah. family. Like yeah. there's many wives and 70 sons from many wives and then one, yeah. one, one other son. woman that yeah. like didn't quite make the cut enough to be a, yeah. to be a wife. Right. And then her son, of course, wreaks havoc yeah. on there, uh, there was probably certainly some kind of economic standing um, as well. I think those, those things would, you know, whose family are you coming from? Um, you know what kind of status you have in in society and culture, because um, there was there was a lot of that, um, like economics involved in marriage and or being a concubine. Like hmm. it may have been for um, strictly uh, sexual like appearance, um, someone's ability to to procreate, hmm. um, but but like. Having a you know, taking someone as your a wife, an additional wife, was much more along the lines of like some of the economic aspects of that. Concubine could be outside of that, yeah, um, and probably was for the most part outside of that. Yeah, no, that yeah, that makes sense. Hey, we had one more question. Uh, I want to make sure we get to uh, in chapter nine. The question says: A certain woman kills Abimelech with a millstone. Earlier in Judges, Jael kills Sisera. Mm-hmm. Is there any significance to women killing evil men in this book? Or is it just happenstance? Some of the greatest assassins in history are women. Yeah. yeah. Certainly in the book of Judges, that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. The um, Yeah, I, I think some of it was uh, it's unexpected, one. Right. Um, there's there's a there's a surprise element to that. I think also throughout uh, especially going back to JL and in that instance. Um, how how Cicero was killed and by whom he was killed hmm. is more of an insult. Yeah. Um, yep. and, and I think in a lot of ways, and we see this kind of playing out with Abimelech, yeah. um, it is an insult to be killed by a woman. Um, and particularly a, particularly. a civilian right. woman. Like, 
yeah. making no claims to be even part of the leadership mm-hmm. or that like it's an unnamed yeah, an woman. Unnamed woman, yeah. And now JL is more known, um, but but still, um, yeah, and known specifically for this. Yeah, and, and it was and it was in a way um, to humiliate yeah, um, that right. entire tribe. Like that was that was the intention. Was like she she was not known prior to this. Uh, but she became, you know, JL, the 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 tent peg driving woman. Yeah, um, that's right. Uh, uh, of the Kenites. Yeah, and and she took down Sisera. Yeah, and so there is a, I think, an, at least from what I'm read, Matt, j- jump in here too. Is like there's there's an insult to um, to the fact that these men were murdered by women. So I don't know if it's necessarily um, outside of that, more of just a uh, a cultural insult. Yeah, um, but um, as far as significance goes, like they've you know they've definitely put their mark, literally. Yeah, um, I, on I th- history. I think the I mean I think you hit the nail on the head with the I mean I think the main oh, significance see, that's really that's really good the tent the, peg on the, the tent head. peg on the head. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like to drive the point in, Matt. Nice, well done. Yeah. See, we're as dads, we get a lot of chances to try these things out at home, yeah, the puns, yeah. and then this see which ones land and not. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> This is what we do. I'd spend all of my time, my extra time, <laughs> doing this. Um, but yeah, I think you're right on uh, the the humiliation. I think is the biggest, the significant piece of that. It's a it would be humiliating for a military leader, as both Sisera and Abimelech were, mm-hmm. uh, to be killed by a civilian woman. And we see then, you know, some of this curse coming back upon the head mm-hmm. of evil men mm-hmm. and wickedness. Uh, they meet a humiliating end as part of God's judgment. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I don't know that there's significance, although um, I, I really was grateful for this question to make me think through this. It was It's really encouraging, though, as I step back and see in the book of Judges female characters who aren't victims. Uh, there are some victims in Judges, and, and um, certainly as we get toward the end, there's actually a story about another concubine who's treated horribly, I mean, just unbelievably horribly uh, near the end of the book. But we see female characters who aren't just victims or villains, mm. uh, like Delilah, as we'll as we'll learn about in Samson mm-hmm. in a few more weeks. So you've got, you know, that's kind of the, the stereotype some people carry around in their minds of how how Scripture portrays women. It's mm-hmm. like they're either the helpless victims uh, or they are the villains who like ruin everything. Or even I've even heard the word vixens before. There's a whole book Ooh, actually called vixens. called um, Vindicating the Vixens, a really good book about about mm-hmm. women um, in Scripture. But um, just grateful to step back and see in the book of Judges that you have examples of women uh, who aren't victims and who aren't villains, mm-hmm. but who are part of uh, instruments of God's deliverance. Vindicators. Man, mm-hmm. there it is. So we're really good at alliteration. Nailed it. <laughs> um, yeah, well done. Well done. So, yeah, um, so that was, it's just encouraging to step back and see and see that in Judges as well. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, thank you guys for for sending those questions and really helpful. Hopefully, hopefully that these these questions can um, both both provide the answer, but also provide more thought for those of you guys who are thinking through your uh, your Bible studies. And so, uh, Matt, set up Bible studies this week, man. Let's uh, let's get into some of that. Some some prompts for you guys as you're uh, getting ready to meet with your group uh, tonight, tomorrow, you know, the rest of this week. Yeah. Let's talk about you mentioned the like we get the leaders we deserve, hmm. right? Yeah. Um in a very real way. Um 
like sometimes it feels like you know there's there's mercy we get leaders that we don't deserve hmm. um but many times we're getting the leaders we do deserve and uh not only is that appropriate right now for like the godless society that we see abimelech working in hmm. um and so their leader being abimelech um was was godless yeah um yeah. yeah, that's a that's a. I think that's something to really explore in in, in groups this week. Yeah, certainly. Um, and it's it can it, it's tempting to draw a lot of parallels, perhaps even to like current political political moments. Um, I, I know even that line of "We get the leaders we deserve." Um, I thought that in in watching. Uh, the clips of it because I couldn't even watch the whole thing of the first presidential debate a couple weeks ago. I watched the whole thing, and it and it just was really discouraging. It was like, yeah. wow, this is discouraging. That this is this is our this is the choice or or third party, but this is the choice before people right now. Um, and and to kind of say, how did we get here? And then to reflect through that and say, like, well, in many ways, we we get the leaders we deserve, and the way it plays out, of course, a lot of differences. Uh, in Judges, you've got the covenant people of God in a, in a theocratic kind of way, mm-hmm. appointing a king, but actually, you know, not not theocratic in the sense that they appointed a king who was who was godless, who well, who worshipped mm-hmm. an idol, who worshipped a false god. Yeah. For us, of course, so 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 don't draw too many parallels there where where you shouldn't. I think the biggest thing in which to see there is one of the ways that God brings judgment mm-hmm. is by really just taking his hands off and not intervening with mercy, yeah. not giving us better leaders than we deserve, right. and actually just giving us the product of, of the wickedness and the evil that we already have in our hearts yeah. as a rep- you know, represented in, in a leader over us. And so yeah. certainly with Shechem and Abimelech, wicked people, wicked man, they, they form this unholy alliance and they, mm-hmm. and they run together, and it ends up being their, their mutual destruction. Yeah, we we hate so much the um, being being chastised, being corrected. Um, you know, when when we see when we see God's active judgment in mm-hmm. our lives, yeah, the accountability, like we 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 retract from that, we recoil a little bit. Like like, why would God do this for me? Yeah, and so I want to encourage you guys as you're thinking through this, like. God's active judgment in these things, um, in, in the same way, like in your life, uh, you know, having people in your life who are going to correct you, who are going to call out your sin, who are going to, you know, when when God, it, you know, sends uh, conviction hmm. um, to you about something, about a sin, about a, a way that you're treating someone, that is good. That is right. Hmm. That is God's presence and His His active. Um, will in your life to do that i think in in this way and then we say we see in romans once and we see it here in, in judges nine um the passive the passive judgment of god is terrifying yeah it is a terrifying thing for us to to sit in to realize that there is no one and nothing in my life right now hmm. that is telling me uh, about my sin yeah there is uh there's no one who is actively um who I've let into my life to call me on my own junk, hmm. on my own sinfulness, hmm. the ways I'm treating my children, my wife, my you know my coworkers, whatever it is. Yeah, God help us. Yeah, in those moments yeah. that God would allow us to um, 
let ourselves go yeah in that i think we we should crave and desire um people in our lives to call us on our on our on our sin mm-hmm. um that is a that is a true act of love yeah as a true act of of god's intervention and activity in our lives yeah the passive the passive judgment yeah. is the terrifying stuff like yeah. when there's when you're able to run rampant in your sin and there's no there's no one to, to counter course for you. Yeah. Uh, that's when you should be terrified. Yeah. That's a great point. And it's it's a hard one to um it's a hard one to recognize when that's playing out. So there are, as you pointed out, John, a lot of parallels between Judges nine and other parts of Judges as well, and Romans one, and that, that refrain in Romans one of God gave them over to yeah. and gave them over to, which is mm-hmm. which is that passive part of, of his judgment where mm-hmm. he just takes his hands off and lets so you want this run. Yeah, yeah. Let's the consequences play out. Let's yeah. let's us run to our own destruction as we're all inclined to do. The um it also makes me think of Psalm seventy three, mm-hmm. where we don't always see we don't always perceive that that's God's judgment or that that's God's mm-hmm. wrath or the curse of sin playing out for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was three years for Abimelech. Yeah. In Psalm 73, the psalmist is lamenting, you know, the, hey, these wicked people are thriving. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. I'm wasting away and they are just right. flourishing in their life. Yeah. And there's this pivot right in the middle of Psalm 73 where he goes to the house of God and it says he discerns their end and he recognizes that their feet are on slippery slopes. Mm-hmm. And so we, so, you know, as we need people in our lives to help us see where our own sin is, we also pray that God would keep, by his, the power of his Holy Spirit, our eyes open to perceive the reality of things, even when right. perception yeah. looks different. And yeah, recognize- just, because, just because people are flourishing um, in a way that is, um, you know, I would say, like, in, in our contemporary culture, you know, they are, you know, they're seeing less uh, trouble. They're mm-hmm. seeing, you know, more wealth. Like, that's not necessarily uh, the blessing of God. It could be the curse of God, letting them run headlong into their own destruction. That's right. Um, and so I think that's, yeah, I think both personally and and maybe even nationally, as we talk about like leadership and, sure. and, yeah. and people leading, uh, prosperity is not always an indicator of of us going in the right direction. That's right. That's right. The circum- circumstances are only one indicator of whether you are blessed or cursed in a moment. Right. It's, yeah. um, it's, it's really important to recognize that there's, you know, that good circumstances could be a curse, could be the passive judgment of God. Yeah. So I think that's a great place to go with Bible study questions. I think, you know, um, just the need to be resensitized to our sin because of this Mm -hmm. stark picture of what evil does. uh, It's another good way to talk about where you're, where you need to wake up and be resensitized to it. Um, I think also this is a little different from how Bible studies normally operate. At least uh, my, my study, we, we don't really do this a whole lot. But even finding a way to, to think through and come up with specific words of blessing mm. to speak over one another mm. as those who are in Christ. I mean, the, the reality that Christ has absorbed the curse for us and that there remains for us now a, a real word of blessing. I mean, mm-hmm. full of the truth and power of the death and resurrection of yeah. Jesus. The mount, um, the mount of blessing. Maybe. That there is a yeah. mount. That, that, that it's not just curses coming from, from both, both mountains and right. curses coming from everywhere. There actually is blessing and the favor of the Lord um, is upon us because of, mm-hmm. of Jesus. Finding a way to take that, that beautiful and, and amazing reality and speak it into the lives of the men and the women mm-hmm. um, in your Bible study. Because, I mean, God knows we, we are 
uh, fickle, uh, weak, weary, uh, prone to forget this all of the time. And so those, as opposed to just the, the niceties mm-hmm. um, and the, you know, the empty, like the good vibes and the good thoughts that people like yeah. to, to kind of say in our culture. I'm sending kind of, you good vibes right now. You're you saying, feel I, it? I, you feel I feel nothing. <laughs> I feel nothing. <laughs> um, but as, oppo- as opposed to that, we actually have yeah. truthful and powerful words of blessing to speak over each other because of Christ. So, right. so, so take your Bible study this week and the, the ramp maybe up to it or coming out of it this week just to think through how would you say words of blessing over each other mm-hmm. as brothers and sisters yeah. in Christ. Yeah, what is, what is true? What is, uh, what is our true reality, hmm. right, of, of who God is, um, what Christ has done? Like, you, yeah, don't, uh, you don't have to, like, make stuff up, but, like, read and understand in Scripture what is true for, for you yeah. as a— as an image bearer of God, as as a, as a covenant um, participant yeah. in in God's uh, in God's kingdom, like how do how does that really change and dictate the realities for each other? Yeah, um, yeah. Don't you don't have to like try to make stuff up and go, hey, you know, you're always so well dressed and sure. So nice. It doesn't have to be the like senior yeah. superlative kind of right. thing, yeah. you know. Yeah. But it but it it can be real depth. It can be real meaning. Yeah. Um, because Christ has absorbed the curse. So um, I think that'd be a great way to also like act, having mind the depths of the, you know, of the valley of the shadow of death, you know, and seeing this foretaste of hell mm-hmm. come back up the other side because right. that's not all we have. Yeah. We've got Christ. And that's good. Hey guys, thanks for joining us again on B-Sides. Feel free to send us your questions regarding uh, the sermon topic or anything else that you find to be challenging. Hope this was helpful for you, and we will see you next week. Take care, everybody.